turn to the book of Philippians chapter 1. We're going to continue a series that we started last week called Guardrails. Continue a series called Guardrails. And I want to review for just a moment. Last week we talked about the need for wisdom. We said that the very first guardrail that God gives us is the guardrail of wisdom. You can get wisdom one of two ways. You can get wisdom through personal experience. You go through some things. You, you learn a few things. That's one way to get wisdom. How many of you know experience can be a teacher? But the problem is, is that experience hurts. It's painful. Sometimes we have to go through things and, and it's tough to recover from them. They're difficult and so we have to just believe God that, that experience is, is only going to take us so far and, and we can get through it without, you know, getting killed in the process. However, there is another teacher, another way to get wisdom, and that's other people's experience. When we learn from other people's experience, that's another source of wisdom. And we talked about that last week, that you can glean from two places. One would be the Word of God. The Bible is filled with stories of other people. It's the good, the bad. God doesn't leave anything out. He includes other people's experiences in the Word of God to teach us. So we learn from Moses, and we learn from Abraham, and we learn from, from Ruth, and we learn from the heroes of the Bible, Paul and, and Peter in the New Testament. We learn what they did right, and we also learn from what they did wrong. And so wisdom is gained from not only our experiences, but better yet, wisdom is gained from other people's experiences. The second guardrail I want to talk to you about today is the guardrail of discernment. Whereas wisdom is something that, that we can learn from, from experience and either our own or other people's, discernment is different. Discernment is what you cannot see. Discernment is God-given. It is God's gift to us to keep us from being susceptible to our five senses. Whereas we can look at wisdom and even take a scripture, let's say that the word of God says a soft answer turns away wrath, anyone can glean from that. But discernment is different. Discernment is when you have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. Listen, you have a set of natural eyes and then the Bible says you have a set of spiritual eyes. You have a set of natural ears but then the Bible says you have a set of spiritual ears. The Bible says in Revelations that the Holy Spirit would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about your natural ears. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So we have to have discernment. Discernment keeps us from being led by just our, ourselves. Listen, I, I, I'm semi-educated, but I don't trust myself in every area of my life. And listen, you shouldn't either. You're not that smart. You hear me now? You're just not that smart. And neither am I. So we have to have discernment for the things that we cannot see. And so discernment is God's gift to us. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 9 starts off and it says this. And this I pray, this is Paul's prayer to the church. 
This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the praise of God. Does anybody know? What, what, is, it, is it the microphone here? To the glory and praise of God. Listen, it says this. That your love may abound yet more and more in discernment. So it's something you can develop. It's something that you can grow in. So that you would be able to listen to this, approve the things that are excellent. Approve God's plan, God's purpose for your life. How do you know the will of God? You have to have discernment. You have to have discernment. I want to give you three reasons why you need discernment. Just write these down. Number one is this. Wrong choices don't always look wrong. They just don't. My first job was lawn maintenance. I think it's everybody's first job somewhere. So I I was working for a company, and there was three of us in the truck, and we were driving, we were about to get on the turnpike, and I remember I was in the middle, there was a man to my right, and then the driver, of course, was to my left. And as we got on the turnpike, uh, we get to the place where it says you can either go to the north or you can go to the south. And so he said, hey guys, which way am I going, left or right? And we said, go north, go north. Can you switch, yeah, let me switch over to a microphone if you don't mind. Says, we said go north. He said left or right. Go north. And he comes to the truck and he almost hits the sign. He hits the brake and he says, Guys, left or right? And that's when we figured out he couldn't read. No, I'm serious. He could not read. So he didn't know north or south. He couldn't see the signs. We were telling him go north, but all he knew was left or right. See, many people, that's how they they live their life that way. They're unable to read signs. And so they just kind of have to take a guess or a gamble because they don't see clearly the path that is marked out for them. Listen, you have to have discernment because wrong choices do not always look wrong. In fact, they could look very right. I had a man in our church tell me just a few years ago, they had left, many years ago, left the church, moved out of the area, took a job that paid much more money than he was making. And a few years ago, we were talking and he said to me, Pastor, I so regret that move. I wish I could take it back again. It looked right. Hey, they offered him so much more money than he was currently making. Hey, he was going to be able to go to a place and buy a much bigger home than he could buy in Palm Beach County. But he says, years later, I regret the decision. I wish I could take it back again. Why? Wrong choices do not always look wrong. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 
It says solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You are going to need this skill in your lifetime. Because when you make a wrong choice, for some people, it could take years or even decades to recover. Listen, the difficulty is not God. God can get you on the right path right away. God can put your feet on the right path and cause you to recover from a wrong choice. God has an incredible GPS system. He is able to recalculate your life instantly. The difficulty is not with God. The difficulty is with you and me. It's us. We make the wrong choice and we feel like, well, I'm, I'm in it now. I might as well just kind of try to figure out the best I can do to make do with, with what I got. Wrong choice. Doesn't always look wrong, but it could be the absolute wrong choice for our life. Listen, in your lifetime, you may face only four or five decisions that will be life-altering. I started to think about that as I was studying for this message, and I thought to myself, I have made five life changing decisions in my lifetime. Just five. Five major decisions. Can you, be, can you imagine having to make those decisions on your own? Just based on what you see. Just based on the limited resources you have. Just based on the limited wisdom that you have. Could you imagine having to make a life-altering, destiny-defining decision for your life Without discernment. Huh? You're left to your five senses. You're left to what you think, how you feel, what you see in the natural, what you hear in the natural. Without discernment, you're left by yourself. That's how crucial this message is for you to understand the need for discernment in your life. And the second thing is this. Wrong voices don't always sound wrong. Not only do wrong choices not, only, not always look wrong, wrong voices don't always sound wrong. In fact, sometimes they sound exactly right. Sometimes they make perfect sense. Sometimes they're the voice of a very well-meaning, huh, Christian person who loves you and wants the best for you. But it could also be the wrong voice. If you know the story of Ruth, the Bible says that in Ruth chapter 1, there was a man who had a wife. The wife's name was Naomi. They were living in a land of Moab, but Naomi was from Judah. This couple, they had two sons, and the two sons took daughters of Moab. One was named Orpah, and the other one was named Ruth. And the husband died. And not long after that, the two sons died. And so here are these three women by themselves. And Naomi is about to make a life-changing decision to move back to Judah. And so she says to her daughters-in-law, listen to what she says. I want to read it to you in in Ruth chapter 1. Here's what she says to her daughters-in-laws. Turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? 
Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? I mean, that makes perfect sense. Naomi is just simply saying, I don't have a husband. I, I don't see one on the horizon. And even if I got married tomorrow, and even if I had a kid tomorrow, are you going to wait for that kid to be grown? Why would you go with me? There's no reason in the natural for you to go. You might as well stay here. This is where you're from. All your family is here. Everything about you staying here makes perfect sense. And Orpah said, that's right. I think I'll stay here. And she kissed Naomi and she stayed. But Ruth, listen to this, said, well, I know you mean well. And what you said makes perfect sense. But the Holy Spirit is telling me to stay with you. And where you go, I'll go. And your God will be my God. And your people are going to be my people. So even though Naomi, listen, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't evil what she said. It was the absolute truth what she said. Or I should say it was fact. But she heard the voice of God say, no, you go with her. And because she listened to the Holy Spirit and had discernment, She was able to go with Naomi, meet a man by the name of Boaz, marry a man of wealth and stature, be redeemed, be provided for for the rest of her life, be right in the middle of God's plan and God's purpose for her life. Do you see, that's the importance of listening to the right voice. Amen? The right voice. In Acts chapter 27, the Bible says that Paul was on a ship to go stand trial. And he said to everyone, this isn't going to turn out well. We, we need to be careful. We don't need to get back out into the water. Listen, there's a storm coming. The ship is, this, this, this is going to be bad. It's not going to turn out well. And the centurion that was keeping him a guard over his life, had the choice. He could either listen to Paul, or the Bible says he could listen to the captain of the ship. Well, the captain had all the experience. Huh? The captain had been there, done that. The captain knew what he was talking about. And so even though Paul said, I hear God saying, listen, he's thrown up a red flag, he's thrown up a warning, don't go, don't do it. The centurion said, no, 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 I'm going to listen to the captain. And even though nobody lost their life, they lost the ship, and the entire voyage was a disaster. Why? Because they did not heed the right voice. How important is it for you to listen to the right voice? The third thing is this. Lies often come wrapped in solid facts. I said a moment ago, there's a difference between fact and truth. What Naomi said was fact, but the truth was God said to her, said to Ruth, cling to that woman. 
when the devil came to Jesus in Luke chapter 4 to tempt him. He tempted him with facts. The word of God does say this. Yeah, that is a fact. The word of God actually says those words. But the truth is that's not how you apply it. Huh? It was fact, but it was not truth. And sometimes we have trouble discerning lies from the truth because the lie comes wrapped up in all these facts. Well, the doctor said you're going to be on medication the rest of your life. And I mean, you know what? It doesn't look good for my family and, and the kids are, 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 are going crazy. And I guess we're just going to have to, you know, live like this the rest of our life. Or, or maybe you're facing financial decisions, financial catastrophe struggles. And you're just like, well, I guess somehow we're going to have to manage. And you're just basing these major decisions on facts when you need to find truth. Amen? Truth. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, that the word of God is a divider. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to do what? Divide. Divide what? A lie from the truth. Huh? It's able to divide spirit from soul. The Word of God is able to take a situation, a series of choices that you have to make, and is able to separate those choices so that you can see clearly which one is right and which one is wrong. Hallelujah. So we have to have the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, teaching us, leading us along the way. So how do we do that? Number one, you have to study truth. As often as you can, every chance you get. Number one, you study truth every chance you get. When they teach people how to count, uh, uh, spot a counterfeit bill, they don't show them a bunch of counterfeit bills. What they show them is actual money. They cause you to study it. I want you to look at it. I want you to examine it, magnify it. Know it inside and out. So that having known the original, what is real, you'll be able to spot what is not real, what is counterfeit, what is fake, what is phony. And the more we see the Word of God, and I know every week I've been talking about you opening up the Word of God and getting into your Bible and reading the Word of God. And it's not just reading, but it's asking the Holy Spirit to take these words that are on this page and let it be like seed deposited in your life. Listen, every time we do that, listen, we ask the Holy Spirit, listen, show me what's in this book. Show me what's on these pages. Let it be deposited in my life so that I can discern the lie from the truth so that I know how to apply it, huh? so that I can have discernment with the choices that I face, with the voices that I hear, so that I know what your plan, your purpose is for my life. The second thing is this. I want you to develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in the New Living Translation, it says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. Listen to this. What God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things. What things? The things that he has prepared. It is to us that God has revealed these things by his spirit. 
For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. No one can know what a person's thoughts are except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Hallelujah. It's how we know. How do you know the will of God? How do you know the right choice? How do you know the right voice? You are tuned in to the Holy Spirit. Only God's Spirit knows. Nobody knows God's thoughts except the Spirit of God. Nobody knows the things that God has prepared for your life, for your future, for your kids, for your, for your financial future, for your health. Nobody knows the future except for God's Spirit. So you can't make these decisions on your own, huh? You can't make them based on past experience. If you go into every future uh, uh, choice, every future relationship, every future venture, whether it's in business or whether it's personal, if you go based solely on what the past looks like, you'll miss out on God's will for your life. My wife and I, we were facing a major decision in 2004, major decision. We were living in North Florida, pastoring a church, and by all accounts, things were going well. We had started to turn the marriage around, and, and happier days were, were upon us, and we had two kids, and the church, we started off with 15 people. We immediately graduated to seven or eight, and then, and then it began to grow. It began to grow. Got up to 50 and then 60 and 70 and then 80 people. And the finances had turned around. And, and, you know, we were going into the summer and things were good. We didn't have any debt. We had no debt. And, and uh, we had leaders that come in alongside of us. And, and everything was going well. And, and something inside of me just said, now's the time to make a move. A major move. I just felt the impression of the Holy Spirit to resign that church to move to South Florida to start a church in partnership with Trinity. Major choice. How many of you know I needed to hear the right voice? And so I just had to pray. Major choice. This was a life-altering destiny-defining decision that I needed to make. And I needed the Holy Spirit's help, man. We put that thing to prayer. But here's what happened. As we prayed, we just had such a peace begin to come over us. That doesn't mean that we didn't have any questions. Don't think for a moment that if you have some questions that it's not God. When the angel came to Mary, she had a question. How can these things be? Just because she had a question doesn't mean that it wasn't God or that she was in complete doubt. Huh? Sometimes we'll have questions. Like I had a question. What am I going to do for money? That's my first question. Where are we going to live? Where are we going to start a church? I had all these questions. But at the same time, I had the peace of God. And I'll tell you this. If I didn't have the peace of God, I would have never moved forward with that decision. 
discernment. You have to discern if this is the right choice at the right time for your life. And to do that, you have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Discernment does not come through church attendance. And you know me, church attendance is the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not miss church. Write that down somewhere. But more important than you attending church is you developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Discernment comes no other way. You can't get it any other way. You have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to hear his voice. You have to sense a peace about it. You have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Many parents, I know, struggle because they raise kids in church and then wonder why, as soon as they leave the house, they walk away from God. See, here's the thing that happens is sometimes we we think as parents, if I just get them in church, that's enough. No, listen to me, mom and dad. You need to teach them, train them, walk them through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is not a dove. He is not wind and water. He is not fire or oil. He is a person, and he is the one that leads and guides us into all truth. Amen? And listen to me. He also convicts because I can teach somebody truth, huh? I can impart truth, but I can't give somebody my convictions. Do you hear me now? I, I, can, I, can, I can help you to know truth, but I can't pass along my convictions to you. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Hallelujah. Thankfully, I've, I've been able to have a relationship. I was talking with somebody before service about my pastor growing up, Pastor Tom Peters, for many of you know, Pastor Trinity in Lake Worth for many years. And when I would come to him, we started this church in partnership with Trinity, I would come to him and I would have a situation. I'd say, Pastor, I need some wisdom. Can you help me? And I would present the situation to him. And here's what he did every time without fail. He would give me wisdom based on past experience. That's the first guardrail, right? He'd just say, well, Brian, here's what, here's what I found to be true in the past. Here's what I've experienced. And he would tell me whether he did things right or whether he did things wrong. He would just pass along wisdom. It's a great guardrail. We need that in our life. That's why you need to connect to a small group. That's why you need to be in a smaller group where you're gaining wisdom from somebody's experience. But then he'd always say this. Without fail, he would always say this. But Brian, you really need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for yourself. Because the right choice for me may not be the right choice for you. Second guardrail. How many of you know if you have those two things in your life, it will keep you from going off the cliff. Huh? It'll keep you from going in the wrong direction. It'll keep you from the dangers of you making a wrong choice and years go by before you can get back on.